You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Y'all glad to be here today? Me too. Oh man, super fun. Let's, um, that's not right. <laughs> there, that's right. Uh, let's just go ahead and, and open our Bible to 2 Kings chapter 13. We're gonna conclude the series that we started uh, a while back called Old School Jesus. This is part five. Uh, if you're new to Renew Life Church, we wanna tell you welcome, church family. Would you welcome the, the first time guest in the room? Um, so honored that you would join us. My name is Cody Sykes, and I'm the campus pastor here for New Life Church Midland, and uh, I believe that, that we're all in for a treat, uh, as the Lord has already shown us, um, but I believe that there's some more to come. So uh, let's read this. Um, wow. It says, when, when Elisha was in his last illness, King Joash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows, and the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow, and Elijah laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open the eastern window, and he opened it, then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Armenians in effect. I mean, at effect. Then he said, now pick up the other arrow and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck them three times, struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he explained. Then you would have beaten Aram until he was utterly or entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. You know why he told him to strike the ground more than three times? Me either, so I'm not preaching those scriptures. <laughs> We're gonna keep reading. Verse 20, then Elisha died and was buried. And then without sentiment, the story just continues to go on. It's crazy how the scripture does that. It's like, the man of God died, period. Next, moving on. He says, groups of Moab raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of raiders, of these raiders, so they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and they fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Did y'all read what I just read? As soon as the body touched Elisha's dead bones, the man revived and jumped to his feet. Let's pray and then we're gonna dive into this. Father, I thank you for the things that have taken place in this room. And I, I just have a faith and a knowing that as the scripture is read and as the scripture is released and as we dive further into this, that healing is going to continue in the room. My faith is high, Lord that we would see miracle signs and wonders in ways that we've never seen, but in ways that change everything forever. Jesus, I confess that you are the greatest agent of change, 
that has ever graced the surface of the ground. And we just lean into you, and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, super spiritual question to, to start. Uh, have you ever had a really, really bad case of chafing? <laughs> yeah, I knew you had. You know, the thing about chafing is it's all life-threatening, no matter how big or small. Like, it just is. I remember 2016, I went on my first elk hunt. Incredible time. We were in the mountains. We, we, we had planned to go in there for like seven days and backpack full of food, all the things. And uh, we crossed a river going in, like walked across the river, or walked through the river, not across, not on both, uh, not yet. And so... Anyways, but we walked through the river, hiked in. It was incredibly beautiful. And then we knew that a, a big storm was coming, so we're like, we're going to get out ahead of time. So we decide that we're going to take an alternate route. Instead of the way that we came in, we're going to take this other route because if we took this other route, there would be a bridge that would allow us to go over the river and not through it. So it seemed like a great idea. So we're walking along, we're hiking out, and it was a, a lot further than what we anticipated it being. And as we're walking, this massive rainstorm hits, and so we stop under a tree, we put rain gear on, rain clothing on, and, and we keep walking. Well, a little bit later, the rain stops, yet we were just kind of in this pace, you know, like, we didn't want to stop. So we just kept walking. Well, rain gear doesn't breathe very well. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, and so there was a, a bit of rubbish that began to take place. And as the rubbish continued, the, the, the life-threatening situation grew more and more intense. All of a sudden, this was not fun. And all of a sudden, all the fun that we did have had been sucked out of the whole trip because of the life-threatening chafing that was happening. So I'm like, all right, we get to the river. We're like, here's what we'll do, we'll rest. We'll rest and we'll fish. Fishing makes everything better, except for chafing. It still persists. And so if finally we just get to the place, like, let's just keep going. We get to the spot where the, road, where the road is, only to find out that our vehicle's five miles further down the road from where we originally anticipated it being. Thankfully, some stranger gave us a ride. We got to a hotel, and uh, slowly but surely, healing took place. I know that that was super, super spiritual, and that was really deep, um, and I'm glad that you're still with me, but the truth is, is that the chafe is real, and it changes everything, just like Jesus. <laughs> Jesus a little more so, in a much better way. All right, spiritual conversation, here we go. It's funny, uh, when I think about all these things and I say all that because it's wild how people look at grace. We look at grace as if grace is just another topic in the Bible. And the first thing that we have to understand is that grace isn't a topic, grace is a person. And his name is Jesus. In Titus chapter two, verse 11, it says this, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Jesus is the only one that appeared that brought salvation which means that Jesus is the personification or the person of grace. Grace is not a topic, grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And I 100% believe that Jesus is not just another topic to be read, another person to learn about, but he is the main person in scripture. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. 
Amen? The thing about grace, not just being a topic, is, and, and that he is a person, is that, that Jesus wants to change everything about your life from this day forward. Jesus literally has the ability to, in a moment, change everything. Sometimes I think that we get caught up in the fact that we have to wait for Jesus to do something suddenly. But when he does it, he does it suddenly. Jesus literally, he changes everything. If you've been tuning in and been with us for any time during this, this series, Old School Jesus, you'd know that the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, points at Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament, everything in the New Testament, it all points to Jesus, it all points to the grace of God. In this study, we've been learning about the ministry of Elisha and how Elisha's life was this, this massive prophetic foreshadowing of what was to come when Jesus came to the earth. Elisha, he revealed grace to us on a whole nother level. Uh, Elisha revealed Jesus to us on a whole nother level. And so in this story that we started reading of 2 Kings 13, Elisha is this, this rock star. He's this guy who had done all of these incredible miracles. He was the guy uh, that only uh, beside Jesus was accredited uh, for healing leprosy, healing a leper. Uh, Kyle Doan, our, our young adults pastor, he was telling me before service, he was like, dude, some crazy things. He's like, so Elijah, we remember, Elijah anointed Elisha. And Elisha received a double portion. Say double. A double portion of anointing. Elijah, in his life and ministry, did eight miracles while he was alive. While Elisha was alive, he did 15 miracles. And then he did one while he was dead, which is 16, which is exactly double the portion that he was given. I love how scripture ties so many of these things together. Elijah prophesied to a valley of dry bones. Elisha had a man land on top of his dry bones and the man was revived. Jesus, you come in contact with Jesus at all and life comes and life eternal. It's amazing all of the things that are in scripture that point to Jesus in this, this ministry, in this gospel and covenant of grace. As we read these things and as we talk about Elisha and the rock star that he was and the miracles that he performed, the thing is that in the scripture that we read, Elisha dies. Like what, what good could come from this man of God, this prophet's death? That sounds eerily familiar. In a few weeks, we'll celebrate Easter Sunday. And just so you know, um, on Easter Sunday, we'll have three services at Renew Life Church. We'll have an 8.30, we'll have a 10 a.m. and an 11.30 a.m. service. I'll remind you at the end of the service so you don't forget, and we'll be, keep telling you. Uh, but in a few weeks, we'll celebrate Easter. And in this story of, of, of Jesus, Jesus is this rock star, so to speak. Jesus is this incredible person who had done all of these amazing things. No one had ever done the things that Jesus had done like the way that Jesus did them. But then the Messiah dies. The glory days of healing are finished. It seems nothing good would seem to come from his death if you're in the point of view or in the shoes of his disciples. We have the luxury of reading on. 
They just had to trust. And in this moment, it looks like nothing good is going to come, but it gets better. We're beginning to see the significance of Elisha's life and his ministry and understand more of who Jesus is. If you look back at 2 Kings 13, so they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and they fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and he jumped to his feet. As far as we know, this is Elisha's finest work, his greatest miracle. He had done incredible things prior, but nothing like this before. And he did it, like I said, while he was dead, which is amazing. Jesus, born of a Virgin Mary, amazing. Jesus never sinned, that's stunning to me. Jesus turns water into wine, a true miracle. Jesus feeds 5,000 people twice. Jesus raised three people from the dead in scripture that we see. A widow's son, Jairus' daughter, and Lazarus, never done before. And it still wasn't Jesus' finest moment in his ministry. Jesus' finest moment came when he took his last breath and he uttered the words, it is finished. Why? Why is that such a a massive statement? Jesus' death represented the full payment of your sin debt. No one could do that except for Jesus. So when he said, it is finished, he literally made it possible to, for us to walk in the freedom and debt-free payment of our life of sin. Look at Romans chapter six, verse 10, it says this, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. First Peter chapter three, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Jesus' death is a picture of grace. It's a picture, his entire life and his death is a picture of of you and I getting the thing that we don't deserve. Romans chapter six, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Pretty steep. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Sin is this, sin is this, sin is to miss the mark. If you strip it back a little bit. Missing the mark of the pure life that Jesus died for you to live, missing the mark of how you're designed to live in the freedom of all that Jesus did. So what do these things mean to us today? I'm gonna make a statement and then I'm gonna ask you to let me have a moment to explain the statement that I'm about to make, amen? If we are connected with grace and if we are connected with Jesus' death, when we miss the mark, or when we sin, we can still be blessed. Now before you start calling me names under your breath, start shorting out on me, hold on. Don't have it come apart just yet. I wanna say this really clearly. 
the message of grace is not a license for you and I to sin. Did I say that clearly? Okay. Even after you give your life to Jesus, you will miss the mark and you will sin. And if you say, I won't and I don't, you just did, so welcome to the club. (laughs) But the thing is this, the point is this, under the law, I am blessed for what I do. Under grace, grace tells me that I am blessed because of my belief in what Jesus has done for me. Now that doesn't mean that you live like hell after receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I would say this, if your life and your choices don't change after getting saved, then you actually really need to get saved. If you came and you prayed a prayer, and then you walked out of a church or wherever you prayed a prayer at, and you changed nothing about your life, you need to go get saved. This is popular. (laughs) But it's true and popular. When I got saved and truly saved, it became blindingly obvious to me that there was nothing sweeter than Jesus. I don't know your story and I don't know where you've been, but I could guess and it probably wouldn't do any good or may not even scratch the surface, but I remember what mine was like. I remember the loneliness and I remember the darkness. I remember all the things that I chased. There was nothing off limits for the most part. And none of them scratched the surface of what Jesus did the moment that I felt his love for the very first time. Everything changed and so did I want my living to change so that it would be a reflection of me bringing glory to the one and only who could do the things that I was feeling done in my life. The thing is this, that right believing will lead to right living. If you will believe correctly what Jesus did for you on the cross, in his burial and his resurrection, if you will come into fully believing in that, it will lead you into a place of choosing and making decisions regularly that are uncomfortable, that even seem sacrificial, and they are, of choosing to live completely different than you've ever lived before. That's what salvation should do in your heart. It should shift the way that you make decisions and it should shift the way that you live. Right believing, should lead to right living. I became so in love and captivated by what he had done for me that my response was to try to start shaking things off of my life that didn't bring him glory. I remember having this conversation, Lord, if there's anything in me that is not kingdom, I don't want it. But guess what? There was this other day when this guy cut me off in traffic (laughs) and I wanted to give him five-fold ministry. Y'all know five-fold ministry? Yeah, don't do that, okay? Don't start swinging and pray later. Just, it's not a good philosophy unless Jesus tells you to. But he's probably not gonna tell you to do that. And the truth is this, is that all of us, and none of us, I should say, you and I, we're not completely without sin. And so we hear a statement like, if you stay connected to the person of grace, 
when you sin, you can still be blessed, it challenges us and it frustrates us because that seems offensive. But the truth is, is that we all miss the mark, but every single one of us have shoes on our feet, clothes on our backs, roofs over our head. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, am I right? And how many of you are without sin in the room? None of you, none of us. Yet we still are receiving blessing. Now, I'm gonna keep harping on this for a moment. We experience good things day in and day out, even when we miss the mark. How is this available? When you miss the mark, when you sin, the way that this is all available is you stay in contact with Jesus. You stay in contact with grace. How do you do that? You repent. You humble yourself before the Lord and you take your mistake and you take your sin and you give it to Jesus and you go low so that what? He can lift you high. That's how you stay connected to the Father in these moments. This keeps you connected. We're gonna go ahead and continue to just talk for a moment about this. But you can't go on sinning willfully and expect to walk in the life that Jesus died for you to have. Say it one more time. You can't go on sinning willfully and expect to walk in the life that Jesus died for you to have. Like, okay, you're contradicting yourself. No, I'm talking about missing the mark like we all do and choosing to live in a habitual place of sin daily. On purpose, this is like living, this is living like hell after getting saved. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Let's let the Bible help us. Y'all good? I think we're having fun. Verse 26 says this, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. To live willfully in sin, habitually in sin, after receiving the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus, after receiving the knowledge of the covenant of grace. It says in Hebrews 10 that it is actually an offense to the spirit of grace. It is an offense to the spirit of God. You miss the mark and still are blessed, but if you haven't changed anything about the way that you're living and you're still 
on drugs and alcohol and sleeping around and doing all of the things that you do like you did prior, according to the word, it says that you have just nullified the sacrifice that was laid down for you. So therefore you repent and you go back into understanding of the knowledge of the grace that was given to you and then you get yourself right with the Lord once again. Y'all follow me? We all lived in this place before we came into the knowledge of Jesus, of habitual sin and willful sin. The word talks about how while we were yet still his enemies, Christ died for, for us. There was a moment where we all were in this place of being dead in sin and enemies of God, and then Jesus. Or some would say, but Jesus. It's like Jesus began to walk with us in this moment of us being dead in sin and enemies of God and he just began to walk with us and, and, and speak Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 over us. Hey, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. In other words, stay connected with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. All of a sudden, it was as if we're like the man who was tossed into Elisha's tomb, who when he came in contact with Elisha's bones, came back to life, but the biggest difference is that after coming in contact with Jesus, the person of grace, weren't just breathing and living natural lives, were actually made alive in Christ to be seated with him in heavenly places, hidden with him in God. This isn't about the freedom to sin because of God's grace. That's foolishness. This is about living fully aware of Jesus' death, his burial and his resurrection so that you won't be dulled by a sin consciousness, never walking in the fullness of all that Jesus died for you to walk in. You're designed to live dangerously alive. You are designed to live dangerously alive, fully empowered and completely in the grace of God. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I came that you would have life and that you would have it to the full until it overflows. I'll say it one more time, you're designed to live dangerously alive, fully empowered, and right in the middle of the grace of God. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. 
If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.